settling down for a nice evening story, welcome to Hand of Pot. Welcome, one and all, to the Internet's Best and Worst Argentine Football Podcast, at least in English. Uh, I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello, how are you, Sam? I'm very well. I have a question for you, Andres. Yes. In English, um, we have, uh, like, clichéd sort of ways of starting stories, like if it's a fairy tale, once upon a time, right? Which I know in Spanish is había una vez, or erase una vez. I'm wondering what the equivalent is uh, for, like, a horror story. In English, we would say it was a dark and stormy night. Is there a version of that in Spanish? No. For a horror story? It's, yeah. No, it's uh, historia de terror or okay. uh, something like... Uh, uh, something that is repeated once and once again and that. Yeah, no, just like the traditional sort of start to the story, the first line. Because the, the reason I say it is that later on, some listeners might, uh, depending on how, how loud you have your sound turned up, uh, might wish that I had started this story that way. Not because, uh, this podcast that way, sorry, not because um, it's going to be involve anything scary, but because you're going to hear possibly some, some whistling wind and some windows crashing. Um, because it's been quite windy through the afternoon. And it's not at the moment, but we had a bit of a weird time a few hours ago it, it stopped being windy for 20 minutes or so and then started up again um, and this being a flat that is uh, in Buenos Aires none of the windows and fittings and stuff quite fit properly so you might hear some rattling can't do much about that and I'm sorry and I was hoping to learn a new literary term but it would appear that I'm not going to um, first of all this week on Hand of Pod we shall read you the scores from last weekend which I've not got up on my computer because I was doing some distance learning before Andres got here, so just give me a second. Um, it was a weekend with... Enormous amount of goals. Yeah, I was going to say, there, there were quite a few, weren't there? There are um, two, two matches that ended 4-3 for, to start with. Two? Oh, there were, weren't there? Yeah, that's right. Yes. One of them was on, um, on Monday night. Um, so here we go. The scores were San Lorenzo nil, Tempele 1 on Friday night. Followed, that was the only game on Friday... Followed on Saturday by a 3-0 away win for Newell's Old Boys over Aldo Civi. A 4-3 home win for Racing over Atletico Tucumán. Defensa Justicia downed Champions Lanús 1-0 in uh, Florencio Barrena. Banfield beat Quilmes 2-0. Vélez Sarsfield got a 2-1 win over Unión. And in the final game on Saturday, Rosario Central got a 2-1 win also at home against Gimnasia y Escrima La Plata. On Sunday, Estudiantes and Huracán drew 1-1 in La Plata. Atlético de Rafaela and Boca Juniors drew 0-0 in Rafaela. San Martín de San Juan got a 2-1 home win over Belgrano de Córdoba. River Plate were held 1-1 in the Monumental by Sarmiento. Uh, Tacheres beat Godoy Cruz 1-0 in Córdoba. 
Arsenal and Independiente uh, played in Sarandí on... Oh, I thought that was on Monday, but it wasn't. It was on Sunday evening, of course it was. And Independiente got a 2-0 win. Um, Olimpo got a 4-3 win away to Patronato de Paraná. And Colón beat Tigre 2-1 in Santa Fe. Uh, We've had another few games since um, in the Copa Argentina last night, or yesterday evening at some point. Uh, Rosario Central got a 1-0 win over Sunchal... No, no Cañuelas. Cañuelas. Do they, are they from Sunchales? No, they are from here, from south of... Yeah, uh, quite right. Yeah, they haven't got anything to do with Sunchales. For, for some reason, I wanted to say they beat Sunchales, and yes. I don't know why. Um, that happened. Atletico Tucumán got a 2-1 win over Jorge Wilstermann in the Copa Libertadores last night, and San Lorenzo also got a 2-1 win, um, also at home. Uh, against Universidad Católica uh, to keep their Libertadores hopes alive. But we will start with the league weekend, um, which has tightened up ever so slightly by virtue of, of Boca dropping points on, on the Sunday and obviously Newell's win. That now means that Newell's are two points closer to Boca in second place than they were uh, beforehand. Um, Boca against Atletico de Rafaela really wasn't a very good game in any respect, was it? It wasn't, and it, it repeats, or it, it uh, confirms that uh, somehow, sometimes a single player is quite more important than the rest of the team, as as Ricardo Santorion, as how, what we have been telling here, uh, has been injured, and since then, Boca uh, looks like they lost their, their, their play. It's like they play, uh, perhaps... Having opportunities to score in this case, I think that if uh, the match will have had a winner that will have been Boca, but uh, not being so solid. Uh, talking about the game, about the the, the way they played, uh, they got a draw that could have been uh, worse if River had won their game. Mm. They couldn't. But news they news did so they now have three points advantage. When uh, some time ago they had a six or yeah six or six points. Yeah, um, River if they had won due to so the River game was was just after the Boca game, so River obviously knew that they they could have won um, and moved up the table. If River had won that game, then they would now be uh, forty-one. They'd be third, one point behind Newells, four points behind Boca, and of course with the Super Classico coming up in two weeks, isn't it? Or rather, well, a week and a half. It's not this weekend, it's the weekend after, I think. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there was that, that was frustration, really, I guess, for both of the, of the big two. And as you say, Boca were disappointing without Centurion. Um, it, it's particularly interesting to know. I'm not sure whether he played at the weekend, did he? Um, uh, what's his name? Bentancor. Yes. Um, where is he? Hang on. Sorry. Swallowing the biscuit. Um, he did play, and again, wasn't especially good, as indicated by the fact that I was just struggling to remember whether he had played or not. Um, but as we mentioned last week, or rather as I think you pointed out to me last week, or one of our, our listeners in the questions pointed out to me last week, he's been sold to Juventus. Um, Rodrigo Bentancor, in case you, you didn't catch it a minute ago, because I was turning away from the microphone when I said it. Um for something like the sixth or seventh highest fee that Boca have ever received for a player. 
Yes, 9.5 million euro or dollars, I don't remember. It's, it's euros, because uh, it works out at something like $10.6 million. Um, just a little bit less than they got for Jonathan Caleri and his big money move to Deportivo Maldonado. Um, and um, it, it's just sort of, you know, it, it's something that various members of the, the press here have got quite excited about in the last couple of days. The fact that he appears going by his, his Boca performances uh, not to be much of a player really and yet one of the biggest clubs in, in Europe have decided to spend all this money on him being surprised that Juventus crew uh, got on him he sights on him as he were was a, a, a spectacular or, or at least a better player than he looks like when he plays here for Boca mm. and apart from that the, the, there is the as we have of, co of course been talking about the the, the and the 20 uh, World Cup, in which Betancourt is going to be called up for Uruguay, and uh, they are discussing with Boca when Boca is uh, willing to to give it, to give that the player to the Uruguay squad, uh, and, and as, as this discussion is going is going through, uh, he's playing for Boca, and, and uh, the, the, that's another discussion that's here in Argentina with. The level he's showing, the, the performance he's showing, which is nothing special. He's he's potentially a very good player because his feet has good feet and, and well, uh, good passes and and, and his bas basic skills are, are, are there. But uh, yes, nothing really outstanding in which you could explain why he has been sold to Juventus in 9.5 million euros. Indeed. Um, credit to Atletico de Rafaela because... You know, although we're slagging off Boca for their poor performance, and it would be very easy to do, um, Atletico did have to, you know, play at home. Admittedly, gives them a small advantage, but not much. Um, Atletico, of course, being at the very bottom of the relegation table and the only team in the relegation table who don't have a point per game at least, um, and they had to get well. They probably went into the game not hoping for that much of a have a good result and they managed to get a point they could even have won it they hit the crossbar fairly late on if I remember rightly I might be getting my games mixed up but I'm pretty sure that they hit the crossbar with sort of five minutes to go um, with a fairly long range hit so they could have won the game um, and it, it sort of speaks volumes again I think for the silliness of having a 30 team system which of course we're moving away from very soon so we're not going to spend uh, any real time on it but when you can have this kind of golfing class where yep yeah, okay they've got a point against the league leaders but it's after the league leaders putting in a very very poor performance and Atletico really playing possibly the best match that they've played all season um, so well done to them but maybe don't get your hopes up too much I still suspect Atletico de Rafaela fans that you're going to be um, getting relegated at the end of the season unfortunately um, yes, from the point of view of Atletico Rafaela uh, players and even I think supporters <clears throat> to gain a point against Boca who are the leaders uh, clearly because they have well now it's three points uh, yeah. ahead of, of Newell's but uh, uh, the leaders since well a lot of time ago I don't mm. remember when uh, they became leaders and they got a point which may be uh, uh, important at the end of the season or not but uh, I, I know that or I, I, I think that players uh, playing against, against, uh, against Boca will I mean, well, if we lose four nil, it's it's useless. But we, if we get at least one point, 
that could be give us another chance to to save from relegation. And and thinking that simple point of view is easy to understand why they played perhaps with trying that not to get any goals mm. more than to try to score even when they had a, that possibility that you mentioned with a long distance shot that hit the bar yeah um, I'm trying to find out whether I can see a progression on this so let's have a look um, basically I'm trying to see whether we can see a, a history um, through the season of, of who was in what position when but I can't find one um, unfortunately so we can't exactly remember how uh, how long Boca have been top of the table for um, but that came and uh, as, as I say it allowed Newells or rather it meant that Newells um, who got the win previously are now only three behind Boca um, in second place Newells win over Aldosivi was you know on the one hand uh, fairly um, fairly much a win by numbers as it were they didn't have to, to do an awful lot it was very comfortable unusually I think really for Aldosivi to lose at home that comfortably I might be making that up so I'm going to yes. click on their fixtures so far um, but I'm pretty sure they're better than that normally in Mar del Plata uh, and they have also look. to face Boca okay. oh, they got thrashed by Estudiantes in their previous home game but prior to that um, they they don't tend to sort of lose too heavily in Mar del Plata Um but at the same time, as we said last week, one of the things that Newells have been superb with recently is just shutting out other teams and then getting that goal, normally through Maxi Lopez, uh, Maxi Rodriguez, sorry. Um, but today, or sorry, this weekend, just got not today at all, um, he was joined on the score sheet by Mauro Formica, who of course actually scored the goal a couple of weeks ago, when, uh, which got chalked up to Maxi, as, as we mentioned came back off the crossbar and, and Formica smashed it in but the referee had already given the goal to Maxi even though the ball hadn't crossed the line um, and by Victor Figueroa late on with a penalty um, it, it was a sort of slightly more opening out performance from Newell's I guess because perhaps Aldo Sibi felt that they had to come on to them a little more um, but it's, it's nice to know that they can be entertaining as well they, they have like a pillar that one those players uh, are are their best level, or they play together. Uh, are really serious, like, for, like the one you you said uh, for Mika, mm. Skoko, Maxi Rodriguez, and in, in the in the case of a, a one of the for me best goals in the in the in the round, Quinion, Facundo Quinion, the one yeah. of, we also mentioned some episodes ago. Uh, I the, I think the the opening goal was just awesome in terms of the way they played, the way they built the, the, the play that ended with the goal of Maxi Rodriguez. With Quinone, Formica, Skoko, those players are I think the ones that are carrying news into the level they are they are having now. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so well done Newells for keeping up the title chase. And obviously next we've already mentioned um, the subsequent disappointment that River suffered on Sunday evening where they led for most of the second half at home to Sarmiento should really have led for arguably most of the first half but certainly should have gone in at the break with the lead um, of their own and, and extended it in the second half but couldn't kill the game off and Lucas Perez Godoy got a late equaliser well late-ish 80-81 minutes in um, so with 9 or 10 minutes to go uh, to claim the point for Sarmiento which I think Sarmiento deserved really on, on, on the balance of it they dug in very well they, in the first 
15 to 20 minutes of the game and then increasingly in the last 15 to 20 minutes um, they managed to, to, to keep pace with River River sort of dominated the 50 minutes to an hour or so in the middle of the game as it were um, they started apart from that you know I thought yes. Sarmiento they started in a rush to, to put push Sarmiento into their side into their mm. box the first 8 or 10 minutes and then Sarmiento started to get the ball and, 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 and to make the, the game uh, more, more even uh, but yes River in some cases it looked like they were they wanted to score a goal with Along with the ball, try to pass the line of the of the goal with the ball, yeah. or to make luxury goals on only luxury goals and not as if the the tournament uh, was won by by lux luxury goals and and of course they ended paying that uh, with a, an equalizer like you said uh, uh, when there was eight minutes to go and I I think that killed the game that uh, made River to enter in a desperate. Uh, sensation of not knowing what to do to, to, to score again because they had spent a lot of energy trying to yes to, to score the second goal but with in a way as I said uh, that uh, touching too much the ball and not perhaps finish fi uh, with the uh, correctly the, the place they had yeah and perhaps River as well needing to keep something in reserve because they, they've got a long yeah. trip in this midweek to um, to Guayaquil I was about to say to uh, Quito, but of course it's not Quito, is it? Um, in Ecuador, where they're going to be taking on Emelec in the Copa uh, Libertadores on Thursday night. Um, but credit as well to uh, Sarmiento's defence as a whole, but especially to Julio Chiarini in goal, the former River goalkeeper, um, who pulled off, uh, off the top of my head, one at least and I think another one as well at some point but he, he pulled off a brilliant save from uh, from a shot from Lucas Alario fairly late in the first half to, yes. to keep it at a bully, mill a bully yeah yes. um, and then another from Mora and well there we, we can say a lot of of, of goals saved by, by Carini who was in the shadows of Barabero when, mm. when he stayed at River indeed um, so well done him uh, elsewhere as we look back over the big five, um, Racing had a thoroughly entertaining victory over Atletico Tucumán, or at least I assumed from the scoreline that it was thoroughly entertaining, uh, because I unfortunately didn't catch very much of it. I only saw the last 20 minutes, which um, consisted of uh, one Atletico Tucumán goal, and that was all I saw yes. uh, after six previous goals from both teams. Uh, did you catch any I, I, catch, I catch the... the uh, goal that is uh, that is being asked for in the, in the questions mm -hmm. about the from Diego Gonzalez a magnificent volley also uh, and yes it was very entertaining match with uh, Diego Coca admitting that they he knows that Racing can hurt the the rivals when they attack but they also can be hurt because they play not I don't I won't say in the similar way as River that they are looking so. Uh, offensively that they are like uh, not taking care of their defense of mm -hmm. their back but similar uh, because they, he, he said that and I, I agree that Racing is sometimes it uh, tries to look frenetically the attack and they don't care about their defense yeah. uh, and that way that, that's the way it was played and Atletico Tucumán has good players also and, 
and and uh, with the particularity of of Pulgar Rodriguez, who is a very very a small man uh, heading a goal to the heading a ball to to score the four three in that w- in which we attended the, the the match. But yes, it was very very entertaining, really. Indeed, uh, and referring to the the way that Racing attack and and often sort of ignore the defence. Uh, that was their sixth consecutive game without a clean sheet, um, but it was also their fifth consecutive win. So that gives you some idea of, of how much abandon they go forward with. Uh, their last five results have been a 2-1 win over Godoy Cruz, a 3-2 win over Quilmes, when of course they were 2-0 down and also down to 10 men at half-time. 2-1 win against Sarmiento, and then um, 4-1 against Tigre, as I mentioned after the theme music last week, uh, the um, that actually got called off at 1-1 after 24 minutes. Um, I was being completed as we were recording. Uh, they ended up winning that um, well, that mini-match 3-0 and therefore recording a 4-1 win for the game as a whole. And 4-3, as we say, against Atletico Tucumán. And it's crazy because uh, one, only one goal out of the four they scored was scored by, by a, a striker. Mm. Uh, Gustavo Bow. The other three were Diego González... And two of two of their centre backs, uh, Ma- yes, uh, Barbieri and uh, Miguel Barbieri, Marcelo Barbieri, and yeah, um, Marco Tosiglieri. Um which also suggests that they're diversifying a little bit because there, there was some sort of thoughts earlier in the season that if something happened to Bo or if something happened to Lisandro Lopez, and of course something did happen to Lisandro Lopez, and, and Bo stepped up superbly, um, that they might have have some difficulties and there's a feeling now really I think that they've got goals throughout the team Racing um, they're, they're certainly an exciting team to watch uh, perhaps more exciting if you're a neutral than if you're a Racing fan because it, they must give some of their own supporters a heart attack at times Yes, Lautaro Martinez Gustavo Bo uh, Diego González who had already scored I think once mm. uh, I think this his second and he's a mid- central midfielder then uh, yes in this case, there were two defenders like uh, Barbieri and, and, and Torsquilleri. Barbieri, Barbieri not being so often in the in the in the lineup, um, and uh, or Pablo Cuadra that scored I think once and he enters into the team often. Yeah, Marcos Acuna, yes. um, who's chipped in with six league goals this season. I didn't realise he'd scored that many. I must say, um, from the wing, and and indeed worked his way into consideration for the, for Argentina, of course. Uh, although we'll have to see whether. Um, the new man, whoever that might be, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, um, likes him as much as Edgardo Bauza did. Um, next on the list for the big five, we may as well get San Lorenzo out of the way pretty quickly because I was at the pub playing pool when they were playing Tempele um, and did not see their 1 0 defeat in that game. Did you? Neither. No, but I did, since so that we could say something about them. Um, watch their 2-1 victory over Universidad Católica last night in the Copa Libertadores. That was a game that really they had to win. Um, I can't remember whether it was before, during or after we recorded last week and therefore I can't remember whether we mentioned the score of last week's game. But they um, were held 1-1. And we did mention it, I think, because I remember you saying that Buonanotte had had scored the equaliser, so it must have been last Tuesday. Um, They were held 1-1 away to Universidad Católica. and really, they needed a win in uh, Tuesday night's game because, and I suspect that this sort of feeds into why they lost so limply at home to Tempele from from what I heard about the game afterwards. Because um, obviously they, they were putting everything towards this game on Tuesday night. Um, 
to keep their Libertadores hopes alive, they needed the win in that one. And they got it, and it was a pretty entertaining game. Um, they took a very thoroughly deserved lead through Nicolas Blandi um, fairly early in, in the first half with a fine overhead kick into the top corner, completely unmarked at a corner, and no sort of offside trap because the guy there was a defender standing on the line next to the goalkeeper. Very, very bizarrely defended corner. Um, before being pegged back by... Oh, God, who scored for... I don't know. I can't, can't, can't remember. Um, Espinosa? No. No, it wasn't him. It was somebody else. Uh, never mind. Anyway. And then, uh, late on, and, and in a spirit of, of looking desperately for the goal that they needed to keep their Libertadores' hopes alive, Nahuel Barrios, um, a 19-year-old, I think I'm right in saying, um, who is 1 metre 56 tall, which is um, about... Oh, bloody hell. It's... 30, so he must be about 5 foot 6, 5 foot 7, um, so tiny, um, came onto the pitch with about 6 minutes to go, and a minute later he scored with a header in the middle of the, of the penalty box. So by this point, by the way, Unimes and Akadolika went out to 10 men, and the man who'd been sent off um, was one of their centre-backs. But even so, if you're going to lose a header to, you know, you mentioned Bulga Rodriguez scoring for Atletico Tucumán against yes. Racing. Um, if you're going to lose a header to a 19-year-old who uh, is that short and apparently had to have the same treatment that Lionel Messi um, had to have uh, growth hormone treatment um, when, when he was a kid um, for, for his first goal in the first two. I mean, fairy tale stuff, obviously, but my word, Universidad really Catolica's defenders were not having the best night, were they? Yes, they weren't. But uh, yes, uh, and it's, I think similar. Uh, the, the the way they they scored was similar. The Pulga Rodriguez goal and the Barrios mm. goal, both with similar height and similar way of, of heading. But yes, and it was very very important win also for Aguirre. It was it was like uh, happens all the time uh, with the possibility of of leaving whether he. He didn't uh, win the, the match, but finally they achieved to win. And uh, even though they are still uh, in the last position of the group because of the mm. goal difference, at least they have the same points like Panarense, I think, for. Yeah, and it's actually a very tight group. I think it's, um, is it Flamengo top uh, with six points? I think that's right. And San Lorenzo now have four. Um, so. Although they are bottom of the group, as you say, it's very, very tight. And uh, if they'd lost, it would obviously have affect, or, or even only drawn, uh, they wouldn't be anywhere, anywhere near as good a position um, to do that. It, it, going back to the league game for a second, though, Tempele, um, as we say, San Lorenzo had all of their eggs in, in the Copa Libertadores basket for that game, and, and so perhaps weren't concentrating fully. But Tempele did what they needed to do. Um, they got, a, I think it was Lorenzo Di Placido, was it, who scored? Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, Di Lorenzo, he's called. I don't know his first name. Um, no, Di Placido, I think, was the one who... There is a player called Di Placido, But right? the Rodrigo Tucumán was the one that uh, uh, put the, the cross in the head of Rodriguez to score. Leonardo Di Lorenzo ah, is yes. the Tempele player I was thinking. Yeah, you're quite right. Di Placido yeah. plays for Atletico Tucumán. Thank you, yeah. Um, but anyway, that was a vital goal for um, Tempele. Um because it means that they are still alive in the relegation battle. We'll go into the standings properly, as always, a little bit later, but um, it leaves them 
I've just looked up the table really quickly to look at how far behind the next team on the same number of games as they are um, Tempele are now and it leaves them six points behind Huracan um, so they've got that to catch up they've got uh, for a little bit less than six points to catch up to Olimpo and Arsenal and Quilmes um, and if they can finish above three of those teams then they should be safe but it is still very tight and we shall see but that, that's a big win for them away to San Lorenzo yes. regardless of how serious San Lorenzo were taking how seriously San Lorenzo were taking the game the remaining big five side were Independiente who um, are still looking for their first home victory under Ariel Olan but um, have well and truly put down a stamp away from home now because that I think is three consecutive away wins for them um, with admittedly a 2-0 away win over Arsenal de Sarandí, which is perhaps not the most difficult of away wins to record. Um, but still, it's two more goals. They've scored... They must have done, mustn't they, right? Um, since Alain took charge... Let's see, what have we got here? One plus five is six, seven. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. Compared with three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine... 10-11. They have scored the same number of goals since Ariel Orlan took charge um, as they scored in the whole first half of the season. And, uh, I heard they, they got 23 points in the away condition and they are first in, mm. their ta- in, that, in that table. Yeah. If you take uh, into account only the, the away matches, they are, they are first. And the remarkable thing as well is really that they've, they've in- improved going forward to this extent without significantly affecting things at the back, at least statistically. They've only conceded twice under Olan in two one-one draws, um, and they've kept a bunch of clean sheets. Um, they just we we mentioned even when they were still you know unable to find their first victory in the first couple of games under him um, that the play had improved enormously, and now that they are scoring goals, even if it's only two goals away to Arsenal de Sarandí, who are awful, um, it should still help them to I think you know to recover some. Um, some confidence. Nicolas Figal scored a very rare one, and Emiliano Rigoni got one, which is he's got quite a few now, right? Rigoni. Yeah. I have a feeling he does anyway. Uh, yeah, he's the leading yes. scorer. He's got five goals. Um, so nice place. I think they lost by uh, Barco, then uh, continued by Sanchez Minio, who was the one yeah. who uh, assisted Rigoni, who scored the, the second. Mm. Own goal is still Independiente's um, joint third highest scorer of the season uh, with two. But, you know, little by little, uh, they're improving things. So well done, Independiente. And when Arsenal, we thought that they had their heads up and they had a... Well, there is a team, perhaps. No, well, there isn't. Go on. Complete the thought, anyway. Because they, they, they defeated Huracan last week mm. in a way and now they had a... Yeah, of course, a tough match against Independiente. Who we, of course, now I am. We, now we are talking, and we had already been talking about their uh, great campaign as, as a away condition. What? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not going to get easier for Arsenal because they've got a visit to La Bombonera coming up this weekend. Um, after that, admittedly, it does get a bit easier. They've got Olimpo Tempele uh, in the next couple of weeks before a visit to Union, which could be. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm not an Arsenal fan for that one because Union at home tend to be fairly strong. Um, but, yeah. 
they're probably doomed. We can keep our fingers crossed anyway. Uh, other teams in the title race or just other noteworthy matches over the weekend. Um, Venice against Union, actually, I thought, having just mentioned Union, um, was better than I was expecting it to be. I uh, can't remember very much of it, but I remember watching it and you know being um, pleasantly surprised. Mariano Pavone opened the scoring. Um, uh, Franco Soldano equalised for Union before the break, and the second half was a fairly sort of back and forth um, from what I remember, and it was won by a young man Barrios. called Barangas, whose first name, which is what I was trying to find, is not on that website, bloody hell. Somebody Barangas, anyway. Um, in stoppage time. So a nice dramatic finish to that one. Well done, Venice. It's Manuel or Mariano because his first name Manuel. starts with M. Well done, Manuel. Manuel Vargas. Uh, Estudiantes were held 1-1 by Huracan, a game which I watched about 10 minutes off because it was being played at the same time as another one, but the second halves didn't quite overlap. So I flipped over uh, for the first 10 minutes or so of the uh, second half of that one and managed to see both of the goals because they were scored about two minutes apart. Um, Matias Aguirre Garay and Mariano Gonzalez, um, so another two goal scorers whose names begin with M, um, meaning that there was a share of the spoils in La Plata. Um, elsewhere, what else do we have? Tacheres got a late winner over Godoy Cruz in Córdoba. Sebastián Palacios popping up with a fine strike. Um... Oh, and we should mention Patronato against Olimpo. Although, again, I was at the pub playing pool, so I didn't actually catch much of it. I did manage to see one of the goals. I wandered through to the bar um, very early in the second half and looked at the score and thought, oh, bloody hell, Olimpo winning away to Patronato. 2-1 up shortly after half-time. And then, oh no, sorry, it must have been 1-1. I saw the second goal, which was in the first minute or second minute of the second half. Um... And oh, it was just one. as I thought it, they, they happened to score either that or I was watching the replay of the goal they'd just scored. Um, and yeah, I then wandered back through, played some more pool, and about half an hour later walked back through to the bar and they were 3-4 up. I could only stuff. catch the goals, but uh, I know that Olimpo had a, a, an apparently safe victory. With, they, they were 4-1 winning, then mm, yeah. they received two or more goals and ended with that uh, well well... Uh, well, a good amount of goals in the match, but finally uh, defeating Patronato in a six points, as we say here, match mm. because of the relegation zone, or not? Yeah, yeah, it very much was. Yeah, um, Olimpo are just hovering above relegation. Patronato are a little bit sort of further clear; they're twenty second in the table of thirty. Oh. But obviously, yes. with the peculiarities of the Argentine relegation system, if Patronato lose too many games in a row, they could see themselves plummet down that table. Um, so it is still a very good win for Olimpo. Um, otherwise, I think that we've covered sort of most of the main talking points, haven't we? I was slightly surprised by Defensa Justicia's win over Lanús, but I didn't actually manage to watch any of it. So Me neither, but yes. I can't opine very much. Um, plus, did Lanús have a Libertadores game last week? They did, didn't they? So they're possibly recovering from that. 5-0 against Esulia. Oh, you're quite right. Yeah, they'd be... Sulia 5 0 in the, that must have been on Thursday because I can't remember talking about that um, yes. last week. Uh, in the first game of Group, I think they're in Group 2, aren't they? Or is it Group 4 or Group 7? It's, it's a group anyway. Yes. Um, the first game of that group that didn't end in an away defeat. Yeah. And then immediately after it, there was the next one because Chapicoense and Nacional drew, I think, 
I'm right in saying, in Chapeco, I think it was. Um, anyway, yeah, we're going to take a break now, I think, because we've recorded for, oh, only just over half an hour. It's going to be a very short episode this week. Um, and when we come back, we will talk about some other stuff. It's going to be something else. There's still to discuss our national team about the, well, Machirano scored the goal today. Oh, he that did, is, yeah. That is news. Uh, 501 more and he'll yeah. be level with Lionel Messi. Yes. If, if Lionel Messi doesn't score anymore. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about some of that stuff and answer a few listeners' questions. take you through since we just mentioned in passing um, before the break the Copa Libertadores we will take you through how some of the Argentine sides in it are doing because we've not really um, talked about it at any length since it started going and now most of them are getting up for the halfway stage or have already met the halfway stage of their groups so to go through the groups in numerical order and to talk about the Argentine clubs in particular um, where there are Argentine clubs um Group 1 is the group that Estudiantes are in, so that's nice and easy. Sebastián Verón is, as you will probably know, uh, playing for Estudiantes in the Libertadores. He's not doing so in the league, um, but they managed to successfully uh, get his uh, ban that he was supposed to be out for the first five games or six or four games um, from back when he was playing before. Um, they managed to get that overturned on the basis that there was um, an amnesty um, last year, wasn't it, after the Copa America Centenario, I think. Um, on on bans and on punishments to clubs and things, um, which uh, w- w- which they uh, Conmebol agreed uh, should not um, harm them. They got off to a very slow start. They lost two one away to Botafogo. Obviously, all of the Argentine clubs found it sort of hard going um, at the beginning of the of the Libertadores season because of the delay in the domestic season, meaning they were somewhat short of match fitness. But they lost two one away to Botafogo on the first week and then 2-0 at home to Barcelona de Guayaquil um, in their second match but they have got themselves back on track now um, last night I think that was last night was it? oh no it was last week sorry of course uh, they got a, a 1-0 win um, at home to Atletico Nacional the defending champions who were without Magnelli Torres who got injured I think on the way down here he had to fly back to Colombia from La Plata so he, he, he travelled um, and then didn't actually end up playing um, I didn't exactly hear sort of what happened uh, but I did hear that much um, they don't have also Barrio who has been <coughs> sold to transfer to Botafogo but uh, an important oh, yeah, player that won the past Copa Libertadores and now they have zero points with three games play so they are not safe mm. indeed um, that leaves uh, Group 1 at the moment has Botafogo and Barcelona both on 7 points Estudiantes on 3 and Atletico Nacional on none after the first 3 games um, so still all to play for but you would fancy that that it, I mean it looks as if the champions are going to be out um, at this stage but there's still an awful lot to play for as we say um, in Group 2 there are no Argentine clubs but Group 2 
is uh, currently, after everybody's played three games as well, topped by Santos, who have five points. Um, Independiente Santa Fe and the strongest are second and third, both of four. And Sporting Cristal of Peru are on two points. Don't forget, by the way, that the team's in third place in each group this year. Um, will uh, qualify for the Copa Sudamericana second round, which is the round of 32, I think, isn't it? Rather than the round of 16, I think. I'm not sure. Um, River Plate are in round three. Uh, group three, sorry. Um, they did, unlike uh, most of the rest of the Argentine clubs, they did get off to a good start in the Libertadores. They got a 3-1 win away to um, DIM, or Deportivo Independiente Medellín, and then a 4-2 win at home to Melgar, um, a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, they, as we mentioned earlier, are away to Emelec on Thursday night, so you won't hear the score after the final whistle because I am hopefully going to have this uploaded by Thursday night. Um, but the other game um, corresponding to this week, in inverted commas, of games in that group was played last week, um, in which Deem beat Melgar 2 0, which means that the current standings in Group 3. Um, are that uh, River are top with six points, Emelec is second with three points, um, and a goal difference of zero. Independiente Medellin are third with three points, and a goal difference of minus one, and Melgar are fourth with three points, and a goal difference of minus three. Um, so if River can get a win away to Emelec, which isn't going to be an easy fixture, I think that looked like the most difficult one on, on the fixture list for River when this group was drawn. But if they can get it um, on Thursday night, then they'll be in a very strong position indeed to qualify, given that, that everybody else is going to be taking points off each other in the last three games as well. Even not not that they, they must get a, a draw, but if, getting, if they get even a draw, they they get their first position mm. safe because they, of course, will be with seven points and the other right, the other teams have three, yeah. all of them. So Absolutely. Well, if, of course, if they got a draw, then... Yes. Um, Emelec would have four points, but yeah, you're, yes. you're, what your yeah your, your point is is a valid one. San Lorenzo, um, as we said earlier, started off very poorly. They've actually played four games already now. Um, they lost four nil away to Flamengo in the opening round. Then they um, lost one nil at home to Atlético Paranaense. Drew nil nil with Universidad Católica, and then as we said just last night, beat Universidad Católica two one back in Bajo Flores. Um, Paranaense and Flamengo are playing oh, later this evening. Um, so they've only played three games each. But Group 4 currently is topped by Flamengo. Six points from three games. Uh, second place is Universidad Católica with five points from four games. Um, third, Atletico Paranaense with four points from three games. And the fourth, San Lorenzo with four points from as many matches. Um, so obviously, having said a few minutes ago... Um, that that group's very tight and that San Lorenzo are bottom but are only two points behind the leaders um, I had not meant realised that, uh, that Flamengo of course still have to play against Atletico Paranaense so if, if Flamengo get a win in that game um, they will go up to nine points and I guess even then San Lorenzo is still only one point behind the team in second will be Catolica um, so it's by no means all lost uh, but that win last night is or was vital for them uh, group 5 is the group which has Atletico Tucumán in it um, they got a 1-1 draw home to Palmeiras followed by a 2-1 defeat away to Peñarol then lost 2-1 away to Jorge Wilstermann before beating Wilstermann by the same score last night as we mentioned already 
Um, that puts them third in Group 5. They've got four points. Winston Manor second with six. Palmeiras top with seven points from three games, and also with three games and only with three points as well. Um, are Peñarol. Um, Palmeiras play Peñarol. Um, where is it? Group 5. Why has it gone back to there? Uh, away, also later tonight. So more will be known shortly. Godoy Cruz are in Group 6. Their results have been 1-1 against Atletico Mineiro. 2-1 win away to Libertad. Um, and 2-0 win at home to Ford Boys Warnes. Is that a good Name. Spanish pronunciation? Yeah. <laughs> um, the aspirated S is one of my favourite letters to say in Spanish. Warnes, which is a street here in Buenos Aires. Well known. It is. Very close to here. Yes. Just across the park, yeah. Well known for sending is the, the avenue in which a lot of shops that send the car supplies is mm. known for that. It's also the avenue that uh, English Dan lives on. So yes. when you hear um, that we're recording in English Dan's living room, we are doing so on Avenida Juanes, at least until he moves, which I think he's planning to do fairly soon. Um, I don't know why I'd tell you that, listeners, but there we go. You're like part of our family anyway. So group six at the moment, uh, with Sport Boys playing Godoy Cruz on Thursday night... Um, in that fourth game and the other two teams already having played one another but at the moment even though um, they've played oh hang on a second oh sorry they're playing each other right yes. now of course they are the, the Conmebol table isn't live um, Atletico Mineiro versus Libertad is currently nil-nil um, after 10 minutes um, and at the moment then the f- points I'll give you the score as if this game hadn't even kicked off yet because that's, that's easier uh, Godoy Cruz have seven points from three games. Atlético Mineiro and Libertad both have four points from their first three games. And Sport Boys or Ehbord Boys um, have one point from their first three games. So at the moment, Godoy Cruz are looking pretty good um, in Group 6. Uh, group 7 is Lanús's group. They lost 1-0 at home to Nacional, the game that I was at. Then they lost 1-0 at home to Zulia. No, they didn't. Sorry, Nacional lost 1-0 at home to Zulia. They got, Lanús got a 3-1 win um, away to Chapicoense. And then got a 5-0 win at home to Zulia, which we mentioned, Andres mentioned um, a little earlier. Lanús play Zulia away from home tomorrow, Thursday night, as do Nacional and Chapicoense. They play in Montevideo um, also on Thursday night, which means that Group 7, Lanús are actually top of it in spite of losing their first game. They also, I have to say, I've caught bits of um, Nacional and Chapecoense's other games as well, unlike most of the teams I've actually seen a significant amount of that group. Um, and they look like they should win that group to me. Lanus. Now, well, now that they qualify. Now that they've clicked, the, the first game I thought was, they just looked out of practice. It was it, it was the, the week before the, the season finally got underway after a, a pre-season that had lasted a month longer than, than it should have done. Nacional already had a couple of league games under their belt. Um, and yeah it wouldn't surprise me at all I, I think Lanús ought to win that one really so Lanús have got six points Nacional, Chapecoense four each and Zulia three and Group 8 does not have any Argentine sides in it but for the sake of completion let's read out the points totals it's Gremio top with seven points Guarani second also with seven points and with the same goal difference Gremio are only ahead on goals scored in that um, that group and then in third place with six points Deportes Iquique um, and Samora at Venezuela bottom with no points at all um, it's not quite as um, evenly matched as that may, might make it sound because Deportes Iquique um, 
have uh, and, and Samora have both played four games and Remyo and Guarani have both played three so obviously by listening to that your process of deduction might well um, lead you to conclude what is actually the case which is that Deportes Iquique's two games have both come against Samora that, that's where they got their, their six points from um, and it's also funnily enough why they're the top scorers in the group because they scored four in both of their games against Samora which means they've got eight, eight, eight goals and uh, Gremio have six Guarani have five but I suspect that it's going to be Gremio and Guarani finishing first and second in one order or another down in group eight um, national team news it turns out that Argentina might very well have a new centre forward as Andres mentioned before the break because Javier Mascherano has finally scored what apparently uh, I was slightly mystified to find this on Twitter um, when it happened uh, has been a very long awaited goal for Barcelona I didn't realise anybody was sort of hoping that he would do but anyway in his 319th match for Barcelona he has scored his first goal from the penalty spot it was emphatically dispatched um, in the 6-1 win over Osasuna Osasuna thank you I was watching it and I couldn't remember who they were playing um, but yes because yeah. there is a story behind this goal because uh, he had been um, trolled, trolled by or, or well uh, there were some jokes from Piquet because he uh, couldn't score any, any single goal uh, despite of the more than 300 games he had already played mm. for Barcelona and finally today the match safe because they were 5-1 uh, winning it they, they get the let the penalty to be shot by, by him and well finally it was like a happy birthday for, for him indeed um it means that he is no longer the Barcelona player. I assume they're talking about outfield players. Presumably, uh, there is a goalkeeper who's played more games and not scored for them. But he's no longer the Barcelona outfield player um, who has played the most games without ever scoring for them. Uh, Michael Reisiger now takes that record takes that record back. Um, he played 255 games for Barcelona and didn't score once for them. Lionel Messi... Uh, was not to be outdone and scored twice as well. You all know this already. I don't really know why I'm taking you through it. But um, there have been one or two interesting sort of murmurings around the national team. It looks very much, I mean, off stage and nobody's confirming anything because you have to respect Sevilla and so on. Um, but uh, it's basically an open secret now that Jorge Sampaoli is the new Argentina manager, that he'll be um, unveiled the day after the Spanish league season ends. So obviously, as we've mentioned a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, he's, he's the chosen this, one. Uh, they can't announce it. Uh, he's still, <sighs> is still playing with the with phrases like, "I am thinking on Sevilla yeah. and that." But yes, finally, uh, the I think that because of the contract and their clause and that, uh, they are trying to make it more smart in a smart way. Well, not in a smart way, but trying to hide the final decision that is that yeah. he will be there. But they've they've said that there's going to be a press conference and we're going to unveil somebody on the 22nd of May, and the 21st of May is the day that Sam Pauli's um, that this clause in in Sam Pauli's contract um, runs out, which means that he'll go from being cripplingly expensive that, to just that, being quite pricey to sign. So. That day, the 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 release clause lowers from 7.5 million euro to 1.5 million, so mm-hmm. that's more like payable for for Argentina. Exactly. Um, and there have been one or two murmurings about the kind of team that he would like to put out. And one of the things that we've heard, particularly exciting, I think, um, for those of us who would like to see a proper centre-forward 
or at least a centre forward, a proper centre forward without any baggage um, and, and, and without any lack of confidence in the Argentina shirt, um, take the number nine, is that uh, Sampoli apparently has spoken to Javier Mascherano and to Lionel Messi, and they've told him there are no forbidden players. No, no, no forbidden, forbidden players. Um, okay. He likes Manuel Cardi and is planning to call him up. So we'll see what happens. But the first. Um, but if he if he must meet with them and say this, it's because finally Icardi was uh, somehow not liked by 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 players that already were at Argentina. Well, it could be that, or it could just be that the Club de Amigos, the friends club, was an actual thing, um, even though everybody denied it. Or it could mean that Sao Paulo just wanted to make sure. Who knows? Yes. But um, we've also heard a suggestion. Apologies if you're one of our Australian listeners. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Um, that if Sao Paulo does take charge, he will probably call up a squad that largely consists of locally-based players. That is to say, Argentina-based players, rather than, uh, perhaps the odd Australia-based player as well, um, for the friendly in Melbourne against Brazil uh, in June because so many of the Europeans are going to be, well, possibly involved in the Champions League final um, or off on their holidays and he wants to give them a proper rest. Um, Lionel Messi is still highly likely to be there because, of course, the um, the contract that the AFA have for all of their, their friendlies means that there's one price if Messi plays and another price uh, if Messi doesn't play. So I would presume that he's not going to get the benefit of a bit of extra holiday. Um, but we shall see. Still, there's, there's no point in going into too the, much depth. The uh, most players that are uh, involved in the Champions League are the Juventus squad uh, team because they are Dybala and, and Iwain. Because then it's Monaco and, of course, Atletico de Madrid and Real Madrid. Atletico de Madrid is Correa, Javier Correa, and also... Maybe Cranamita if, if San Paoli likes Cranamita. But Cranamita is, uh, is at the Sevilla, not Atletico de Madrid. Oh, sorry, you're right. He's on loan at Sevilla, isn't yes, he? Yes. Um, oh, so San Paoli does like Cranamita then. We, yes. We're pretty sure of that. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Thank you for the reminder. Um, yes, but you're quite right. Uh, so it's not really going to affect massive numbers, is it? But um, supposedly he's he's going to be looking into calling a, a largely Argentina-based um, squad, maybe Nicolas Colas or somebody with a call up as well, since he plays in Australia anyway. He's not going to travel very far. Um, anyway, the most uh, the polemic that is making more noise. Nowadays, apart from the, of course, national team coach and that, is the under-20 national team. Mm. Because there are some teams that apparently don't want to to give their players to the, to the team. FIFA, I, I was quite surprised to read today, linked with um, Rodrigo Bentancor, who we were talking about um, at the start of the show, um, that uh, apparently FIFA don't oblige clubs to... To, to give their players away for the um, for the under twenty World Cup, um, and so yeah, a bunch of clubs are saying no. We're not Independiente. Don't want to let Ezequiel Barco go. Boca don't want to let Rodrigo Bentancur go, who of course plays for Uruguay rather than Argentina. Um, and yeah, there are going to be sort of machinations behind the scenes so that Barco can can play as long as he first plays um, for Independiente against Racing, for instance. Barco has just. Uh, turning into 18 years old, which is of course a, a, a kid, mm. but he's in the middle of a polemic because uh, Independiente says, apart from not knowing whether Ubeda, the coach, will include him into the national into the starting lineup, which is absurd. If you if you uh, are saying, 
well, uh, we give give him to the national team, but only if you put him into the team. Yeah, that you're you're putting some pressure and to the player, and you are making feel bad the players that are with him and 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 they know that Barco will be will be playing for sure. It's it's kind of an interesting one. Like I can see why when he's important for Independiente at the moment, why they could. Um, sort of be saying, well, we'd rather not let him go if you're just going to sit him on the bench for all these games. Like, But at the same time, it's going to be a great experience for him, even if he doesn't play. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's... Uh, I guess they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, in a way. Given who the president and, and board of Independiente are, it's quite difficult to feel sympathy for them, obviously. Um, but it is a, a tricky one, and I guess it's, it's mirrored in uh, other clubs. But a relative of, of, of him is... The president of the AFA of the National Association, mm-hmm. and he's also the president of Independiente. So he's like the interest. They have he's in the two places. Yeah. Uh, so they he must try, I think, to make uh, Independiente and the, the the national team even when it's under twenty. Now they are. It's not important. No important. But when uh, the Argentina won the champion, the world champions. Championships uh, with Jose Perkaman in 1995 and in 1997 it was spectacular and it was very good and now apparently it's not important anymore. Uh, I, I I think they should he should try both sides to be okay to be well uh, uh, right and and uh, apart from the, this thing of if if he if Ubeda will put him into the team or not there is something that they say independent the directors say that Parco was mistreated by not treated in the best way by by Uveda uh-huh. and it was the Sudamericano uh, so it's yes something which is now being very talked often in the, in the media yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see as we get closer to it um, whether any other clubs come out with this kind of thing as well yes because of course there are clubs can say well if Independiente doesn't give their, their players why should we yeah indeed um some listeners' questions next. Uh, Bob Roberts, first of all, says, have you seen any goals this season better than Diego Gonzalez of Racing's 18-yard bullet of a volley against Atletico Tucumán? I haven't seen Diego Gonzalez of Racing's 18-yard bullet of a volley. So. Beautiful, but in the same match, there was a Leandro Gonzalez also bullet uh, shot by from, from further than... than Diego Gonzalez is not just very straight to the top uh, angle, but uh, it was very, very nice anyway. And uh, I would say that uh, in, in terms of the spectacularity of the shot, that was very good. But the one I mentioned by Maxi Rodriguez uh, for Newell's against Saldo Civi, the play mm. was just brilliant. So we will, we will discuss there whether the, the, the single play by Diego Gonzalez is better than the full play by... Maxi Rodriguez, Skoko, yeah. Quinon and Formica. Indeed. Um, I'm not going to, to make a nomination, cause, mostly because I can't remember most of, or pretty much any of the goals scored in the first half of the season before the summer break. Yes. It seems like such I, a long I, time I'm only talking about this round, because of course um, I don't remember a lot of goals. But yeah, I mean, in terms of long ranges, there was a very good one a few weeks ago from Nacho Skoko to complete his hat-trick against somebody um, as well. Um, so... Possibly, 
but I'll get back to you when I've actually seen Diego Gonzalez as one from the weekend as well. Uh, Nashville asks, who will River keep and lose in June, particularly out of Valerio, Driussi, Martinez, Cuarta and Nacho Fernandez? Well, Alario is uh, someone who, not for sure, but likely will, will leave, yep. as he has been promised that he he has been told that uh, well, uh, not having uh, left to China, that by June, whether there were uh, an offer, an important offer, they will release him. Yep. So it's it's possible. If Alario goes, then they have to try and hang on to Driussi, you would think. Yes, um, they will. They should. And uh, Drusi was also mentioned or linked by that uh, Rome or Roma was hmm. looking for him. But that is only only rumors that appear 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 all the time, and it's not something certain. Uh, Nacho Fernandez is an interesting one because he's playing fantastically. Yes. Uh, he's clearly a very good player. He was a very good player at Gimnasia as well, so it's not a fluke. Um, and he has the same legs like you. Indeed, yeah. And uh, but I've not really sort of heard him linked with anybody particularly no. not um, still not linked and Martinez Cuarta if I were a big European club and I wanted a young defender of the qualities of Martinez Cuarta I think I would probably want to try and buy him this year and then leave him at River for a year um, rather than buy him and take him there straight away uh, he's still very young. He's he's coming through and he's clearly very talented. But yes. then we said this about Eder Alvarez Palanta once upon a time, and yes. look what happened there. The problem is that he's showing a lot, of course, great performances, even scoring goals. He has scored two in the in the Copa Libertadores, one against the Independiente Medellin and the other mm. one against Melgar. And he's showing like he's uh, with confidence on that. But he's part of a defense that is not doing that. They, yeah, they are, that's well. Yeah. They are tasked brilliantly. The, the other day against Sarmiento, I was going to say that it's like the defenders don't jump when there is a cross or a high ball in the box. Mm. Uh, and perhaps Batasha is alone because they, the defenders don't jump. They, they, it's like they don't bother the, the strikers. And well, Martinez Cuarta is part of that defense. So yes, it's himself is good and he has, uh, I think he's a lot of uh, great, a great future, but uh, he has, has been scoring goals, but Yes, we have to wait for me. Indeed. Uh, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says, What's all this trouble with Atlanta's Barras invading training and the manager losing his job? Ah, um, yes. yes. You go into this one, Andres. Well, yes. there was a player that even has been even punched by Barra Brava, Ezequiel Fernandez, if I am not wrong. Mm-hmm. And yes, they appeared, the Barra Bravas appeared into the, in the training of Atlanta, uh, menace, menacing the players that if they, they didn't uh, uh, get 100 pesos, uh, thousand pesos, which is uh, 60 more or less 60. Uh, 100,000 pesos uh, is about 50,000 pounds. 60. Is it? Oh, oh pounds. I pounds, think yeah. I was sitting in dollars. Yes, yeah, pounds. yeah, so it's going to be about 60, 65,000 dollars. Yeah. Well, uh, that if they didn't get that sum of money, they will appear with weapons in the. In the in the training, mm-hmm. and they uh, accused them of uh, making the manager being sacked because of the bad performances, of course. So that's what happened. There was a player injured or punched. Uh, they, they they managed the players that they, or, or they told them to get that sum of money. Threatened is threatened, the word you're yes. looking for, yeah. 
uh, and well, it's the same thing that happens, uh, perhaps not very uh, with a lot of coverage by the media because they are the, from the sense of they are from the first Primera B Metropolitana. Same thing happened or similar thing happened for uh, Excursionistas, which is a Primera C yeah. team. Some weeks ago, and yes, this is Atlanta. The other time was Excursionistas. Uh, this happens, uh, unfortunately, very often. People who are regular listeners, including, of course, Liam, uh, will probably already be aware of this. But um, if you're relatively new, then you know when you hear us refer to the Batras as, or in my case, if you see me on Twitter, making very clear that I'm not going to refer to the Batras as, as fans, um, and I try to make the distinction between them, it's because of stuff like this. They're not fans. They're not supporters. They're, they're organised crime groups um, who, who try to extort money out of, out of the clubs any way they can. And out of other fans or out of proper yeah, they, fans. They appear, they appear with the Atlanta t-shirt, but if they are told that they have better deals if they join the borough of uh, River yeah, or Racing, mm. or they would. So it's not that yeah, they, they are the supporters of any team. No, no. Um, and finally, Tom Robinson uh, asks, how big is podcasting in Argentina? Are there any other Argentinian pods that you would recommend? Not about football. We, no, this is about, the only one. About football, I'm afraid, where your only choice. Um, don't go looking for others, because well, if you do find one, you might find that there's one that's better. And that would be awful. I, I'm not listening <coughs> in, in any uh, podcast right now, at this moment, but uh, the ones I know all are only in Spanish, uh, and it's like free. I am adverti- doing like an advertisement of, for mm-hmm. free, but uh, the, the, the ones that are under posta.fm uh, website or well, the, the, that group of podcasts under posta, which is P-O-S-T-A, mm-hmm. uh, spelled like that, they are all good. Uh, but I am not just right now listening to any of them. There aren't too many. There's, um, there's one which I keep meaning to listen to. It's actually a radio show, which they then upload later, um, called Código de Barras, um, which is in Spanish, and it's about... The Barra Brothers, basically, and that's every. But that's a, a radio show. It's yeah, exactly. But it's downloadable afterwards. Ah, okay. Um, as, as a pod, if you want it to. And the only other one, I mean, that's in English at least, is uh, the Bubble Podcast, which I think has just kicked off a new series. I'm not sure. Um, so yeah. Then a, a radio show. I don't know whether it is that uh, available to download, but it's Era por abajo, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, hosted by. Ezequiel Fernandez Moores, Andres Burgo, and uh, Alejandro Wall, three great journalists so far. Indeed, yeah, Ezequiel is somebody who I'd um, occasionally invite on here, but he's, he's quite a difficult man to yes. tie down, yes. unfortunately. Um, but I, I'd love to get him on. Um, that's it. Those are all of the questions for this week. So I'm now going to uh, refill my glass and top Andres' up as well a little bit. Um, and when you come back, we're going to hear some predictions for the weekend to come. And those predictions are going to be brought to you by Mystic Andres this week. Okay, once Andres has finished reading these out, I will go through the current standings and relegations. But Andres, take it away. Well, uh, Kilmer Talleres is an away win. Mm-hmm. Independiente Estudiantes is a draw. Okay. 
Huracán News is an away victory. News. Gimnasia San Lorenzo is a draw. Sarmiento against Colón is a Colón win away. Tigre against Banfield is a draw. Tampalay against Racing is a Racing win. Unión against Patronato and Unión win. Godoy Cruz against San Martín de San Juan is a Godoy Cruz win. Rosario Central Docibi another home win. Rosario Central. Then Boca Juniors Arsenal obviously Boca Juniors. Mm -hmm. Olimpo Rafaela is a draw. Belgrano against Defensa y Justicia y Defensa y Justicia win away. Lanús against Vélez is a draw. Anwell, Atlético Tucumán against River is, uh, is postponed because oh, of, the, of the yes, of the, they are both playing Copa Libertadores. Atlético Tucumán has already played. Well, right? yes. But if they, I don't know if you want me to tell the yeah, go on, result yeah, yeah. anyway. Go well, on. it will be a draw if they if they have would play, it will be a draw. But yeah, you're quite right because Atlético Tucumán. As we said, played last yes. night and also play next Tuesday. And River, who are in Group Three, aren't they? Uh, play tomorrow, followed by. Um, oh, River don't don't play next week. In fact, they play the week after, the tenth of May. But yeah, so it must be because I need to go to Guamana. They've got to play so soon after a River play. River play Thursday night. Can't play therefore until Sunday night, and I need to go to Need two days off before their game. So yeah, um, lots of away wins early in the weekend. Interesting one, but we shall see. I think overall, a decent spread. Uh, so we will see how you do. The standings as they currently are in the championship race, as we mentioned already, Boca Juniors are three points clear at the top. They have 45 points from 21 matches. Newell's Old Boys are second with 42. And then a string of clubs on 39 points, um, separated by goal difference. Third, Estudiantes with 39 4th, Racing with 39. 5th, River with 39. 6th, Colón with 39. Then in 7th, San Lorenzo with 37. Um, I think that's probably about as far down as the title race goes. 8 points down with, what are there left? 9 games, so 27 points to play for. Probably aren't going to be able to catch them, San Lorenzo, um, with, with you know, Boca not dropping that many but then again Boca have dropped a few points yes. recently yeah, they, so. they, they, I think they, 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 the teams that are between the 5 and the 8th position they, they could have any single single chance because Boca has to play against Newson against River and Boca River is of course a super classical they, yeah. they could easily get a draw we will uh, perhaps say that they could draw and against Newson is the same situation so uh, we don't discard any any of those teams. No, indeed. Um, Boca have drawn their last two games as well. At home to Arsenal, you would think that they'll they'll get the win, but then away to Estudiantes, at home to River, at home to Newell's. Um, they've got to face Independiente, as you say, at home, which means an away game for Independiente, where Independiente are doing very well away. So, who knows? Admittedly, they've not played anybody as good as Boca recently, but still... Um, but yeah so then I mean just beyond that you've got Banfield and Independiente who would go to 37 points if they win the game in hand um, but it's it's difficult to see um, anybody catching them that far back in the relegation table Atletico de Rafaela as I mentioned remain the only team who have yet to get a point per game um, they've got 0.942 points per game 81 points from 86 matches Sarmiento are second bottom, Tempele third bottom, and Quilmes are fourth bottom, but level, aren't they? With 
Yeah, they are. They're dead level with Arsenal, although this table doesn't have Arsenal highlighted. Um, if the relegation battle ends like that, then Arsenal and Quilmes will have to play a one-off playoff to decide who goes down and who survives. Um, safe for the moment, but only one point ahead of Arsenal and Quilmes are Olimpo. And then there's a little bit of a gap, some comfort, um, for Huracan, Aldo Civi, Patronato, Vélez now 12 points um, ahead of Arsenal and Quilmes. I think are probably safe. They, they, they've done enough with that win over Union. Um, and I know that we've said a few times, oh, what well, we've done this, and then next week we end up saying it again. And the last couple of times I've said it, I've said, we always say this, and then a week later we end up saying it. But I actually do think now that Vélez um, are going to be okay uh, because they've just managed to put together... I don't know whether any consecutive good results, but certainly a, a couple of good results in, in sort of fairly short order. Um, and they are, in fact, they've managed to win two in a row, Olimpo and, and Union this last weekend. Um, and I think, I mean, they've got some tricky ones coming up. Lanús away next, Belgrano at home, Tigre at home. But by and large, I think they should be OK. Particularly, actually, Belgrano at home isn't that tricky a fixture. Um and I can see them picking up enough points in that run in to, to be safe. So the relegation battle, the relegation zone, just to reiterate, is Atletico de Rafael, Sarmiento, Tempele, Quilmes and Arsenal tied those last two. And then the battle, I'm saying, to avoid um, is uh, consists of Olimpo, Huracan, Aldo Civi and possibly Patronato, given that Patronato have uh, not been up for very long. That's your, your relegation dogfight, if you're interested in it. Otherwise... Well, whether you're interested in it or not, actually, we're off now. Um, so thank you for listening for another week. Thank you very much to Andres for joining me. Thank you. Goodbye. And uh, for reading out your predictions this week. We'll see how well you do. And uh, thank you to all of our lovely listeners. And goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>